Welcome to Married to Geeks, a podcast about being married to early adopters, or rather being held hostage by them. So, how's it going? Good. This week, Ramsey bit through her tongue. She was playing in the playroom and climbing, and we have like a bay window in their playroom. She was climbing on this stuffed animal, and she slipped and smacked her chin on the bay window, and I guess had her tongue sticking all the way out, bit through like the middle of her tongue. And it was horrible and bloody, and I called the doctor and freaked out. (laughs) And uh, the doctor was kind of like, we're not going to do anything for her tongue. You'll be fine. Just give her some medicine. And the next day, it was looking kind of ragged, so... I took her to the doctor, and the doctor was like, um, that looks pretty bad. Maybe you should go to the ER. <laughs> Poor Ramsey. Ramsey is also allergic to peanuts. And tree nuts and eggs. <laughs> Appears to be heading toward asthma. Poor little thing. So anyway, I guess the good news was that at the ER, they said that it was okay, and she didn't need to be stitched up, at least not yet. We did have to sit in the ER for an hour and a half. Good times. That's very sad. Poor baby. So how was your week? Well, this is also sad. My sister-in-law left us with her hamster this week. And the hamster is three. And for those of you that know anything about hamsters, ham- that's pretty good. That's a good run for a hamster. Mm-hmm. And poor Madeline succumbed to old age while she was here. And my four-year-old, Vemi, was supposed to be taking care of her. <laughs> it's not... Why do you laugh like that? <laughs> I don't know. I got too much dad in me. <laughs> I guess. I, like, freaked out. We figured it out right on the way out the door. So Vinny went to camp, and we came home, and I put Nick down for his nap, and I cleaned everything up and just told Vinny that Mike and Renee came to get her while he was at camp. Evil. I don't think it's evil, because he doesn't have, like, an emotional attachment to this animal, but he was supposed to be taking care of her. We kind of made a big deal about, you know, you're going to take care of Madeline this week, and I didn't want him to feel like he blew it. He failed. (laughs) And Renee was very understanding about the whole thing. She said to me when she left that I don't think she's got much left in her. She was sick, I think. But it was very sad, so last night we buried her in the yard. It was sad. That is sad. So that's our first, you know, resident of the small pet graveyard, which I'm sure will just expand as years go on. Really? That's it? You haven't put anything else in there? Not yet. We just got here three years ago. All we have is a dog. Well, we had Fishy 1, Fishy 2, and Fishy 3. And the snake died before you moved? Snake died before you moved. Where'd you bury that? At Mom and Dad's? Yeah. Yeah, Dan had a snake. He got it before we got married. He got it before we were dating. He had it for a really long time. Yeah, I remember. I think he brought it to the house before you were dating when it was little tiny worm-like thing. Yeah. And whatnot. Passed away right before Vinny was born. It was very sad. So he got buried at my parents' house because we had a condo before we moved here. Dad was telling me that when you buried your guinea pig that he went out and dug a hole before you got there because he didn't know where the rest of the pet remains were and he didn't want to dig up bones oh, or something that else. Is so gross. <laughs> he thought that might be a little traumatizing. <laughs> well, that was very thoughtful of him. But, uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> 
I wonder if you're supposed to disclose that kind of information when you sell a house. <laughs> There's a pet cemetery in the backyard. Because <laughs> when Dan and I were looking for our house, there was a this old farmhouse we looked at that had a human cemetery unmarked in the backyard. What? Yeah. I was like, okay, deal breaker. And Dan thought that was real cool, but I was not into that. I was going to say, did you even go see the house? I mean... Well, we didn't find out till we are like in the house. and And she really kind of approach the topic gently so i guess it does freak people out <laughs> of course it freaks people out it was weird and they had on the plot of the land they had this little drawing of where they thought it was but it was all unmarked so they didn't really know precisely where these graves were it was it was creepy <laughs> yeah and you with your two dogs i can just see lexi and indy out there like digging in the backyard one day i know i mean what i was thinking at the time was kids like what do you have kids that are out there just fooling around with <laughs> No, thank you. Oh. <laughs> well, you made a good call, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were just talking about Harry Potter's coming out tonight, which Kelly doesn't care about, but I do. Yeah. We live in Northern Virginia, just outside of D.C., and Old Town Alexandria is having, like, this big Harry Potter celebration. There's bars having special potions, and candy stores are opening up and changing their names, and everybody's getting costume contests, and there's maps. And that sounds really, it sounds cute. But I'm excited about the book, although we're not going to get it for a week because Dan and his British thing. Why? He wants British copies? He started reading it, I guess, when four came out. So he just went out and got the first four, and they were the British ones. Mm-hmm. So since then, he wants all the books to look the same. So we always order the British ones, which means it ships airmail from Britain the right day, but we don't get it until like a few days later. Right. But he wants them all to match. And really, I've looked at the other ones, and the differences are like really minor. The big differences, they're different sized books on the shelf. So we have to wait... But Paul is getting his American version from Amazon, so it'll be here on Saturday, although we won't, so. She can steal it from him. <laughs> yeah. I could read it during the day while he's at work. Dan likes to read Kurt Vonnegut, and he is really weird about buying multiple copies of books that he likes, and so he has all the Kurt Vonnegut books in softcover that all match each other, and all the Kurt Vonnegut books in hardcover that match each other, and tall ones and short ones and pocket-sized ones. And Your husband is the only person I've ever known that actually carries paperbacks in his pocket. I know. Isn't that funny? Since they say they're like pocket-sized books. For Dan, they really are. For Frank, we've been really bad about calling him Frank. Yeah, I know. <laughs> of course, it's kind of one of those things. You can get some context clues. You know which Dan we're talking about. Yeah. My Dan listened to the podcast and was the first one and was very excited about it. He came in and he goes, you know, you could cut off the chit-chat part in the beginning and that would be cool. Oh, come on. See, what do I keep saying? This podcast is not for him. I know, but he said he learned a couple things. Do you know, my Dan said, Dan got to listen to it? What is that all about? How come I didn't get to listen to it? And I said, you can listen to it. Do you want to? And he says, nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Nah. <laughs> He was just ticked off that he was, like, left off, right. Well, you didn't express an interest, so. (laughs) He will when he finds out you're talking about him. Well, that's what I told him this morning, that he better be nice to me because we're recording this afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have a computer-related mess going on right now, and our home network is under construction. Dan decided that our backup situation was not good. We had a lot of external hard drives that he was using for backup, so I don't even know how it got started, but he decided what we needed was a Windows home server. We already had a computer that had died, but he was pretty sure it was just the power supply. So he goes, well, if we just go and buy a couple other parts, we can have a new home server. So I said, okay. So we went and did that. And while we were there, Vinny has one of Mom and Dad's old computers that he just uses for the Internet. We have bookmark sites. He's got, you know, Sesame Street and Disney and stuff. 
So I said, what about upgrading Vinny's? Because Vinny doesn't have a DVD drive in his, which is becoming a problem. So we looked, and we, we got some parts, and it turns out that the new Vinny computer was actually going to be better than our media center. <laughs> so Vinny's getting the media center. The new Vinny computer is going to be the new media center. But, of course, today he went out and bought a new case for that. Ugh. So we have three computers right now apart in the house. And I got a new video card for my work computer, so Vinny has been putting computers together every night after Nick goes to bed. Oh, Dan we- has. No, Dan and Vinny together. Really? Yes. That's pretty cool. He's been typing in license keys and using the screwdriver when it's not too small, and he knows all about making sure he's grounded when he puts parts in. Oh, he's going to be a little dork before you know it. (laughs) He won't be taking dance class for much longer. (laughs) We got a hard drive in the mail yesterday, and he was like, Woohoo, Mommy, the hard drive's here, the hard drive's here. (laughs) That's sad. So that's been our little computer saga this week. We're hoping to finish it sometime soon. I did notice some computery news this week that I thought maybe would be interesting. Okay. The E3 conference was this week. Last year it was 65,000 people, and this year it's 3,000. And it was in the L.A. Convention Center, and now it's in the Santa Monica Airport. So what's um, different? About, like, who gets to go then? Well, now it's only invitees. It's not like it used to be open to the public, and uh-huh. now you have to be invited. Last year it was like craziness. It was almost, I think, like car show with, you know, the models and come and look at our game and all this other stuff. To this year it was much more like a grown-up business conference kind of thing. Well, that kind of makes sense, because if the point is to really showcase new technology, you want it to be a business thing, not just like big retail space. And they said part of what they were trying to do was to make it a little more... The market's sort of shifting and trying to attract the casual gamer more, which is, you know, the person who is not going to buy the $50 Gears of War game when it comes out, but they are going to play Solitaire Online kind of thing. Okay. And they're trying to expand the market and make it a lot less intimidating, and I think that that's sort of part of it. Guitar Hero, there's a big thing in the article I read about Guitar Hero. We have it. Do you have it? No, we do not. You know, you would enjoy it. I it's like it's Well, it comes with this special controller, right, that's shaped like a guitar, and the buttons are the same color. They correspond to buttons on a regular controller, mm-hmm. so you can you can use it. But basically, it's like a dance-dance thing where you have the note you're supposed to play drops down, and there are five different keys you can hit. And it's two crazy guitar songs, like, I don't know, Surrender is the only one I can think of, and there's some Guns N' Roses on there and stuff. And you can set it super easy, so it's pretty easy to, like, pick it up and start it, or to Expert, which is incredibly hard. And Free Bird is, like, the big song at the end. It's really fun. I actually enjoy playing it every once in a while myself, but that's sort of the casual game. That's sort of the game that's, that's starting to take off more now. So, but that game, you could play two-player if you had two guitars, right? Yes, you can. And you don't have two guitars? No, because we can't find them for the Xbox. It's been out on PlayStation for a while now, and the Xbox version just released June, maybe, mm-hmm. or May. So they're still rolling it out, so you can't actually... We tried around Dan's birthday to get an extra controller, and they're, they're not easily available yet, but they're coming out shortly, so... You don't have any friends with it? No, not Xbox. But it's still fun to just play and watch other people play. Well, do you play? Does anybody play with just the controller? No. Have you ever tried that? What would be the point of that? <laughs> uh, well, okay, that's a lot better than the dance dance. The dance dance with the controller? Like, you're totally missing the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do people actually do that? You can. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting because Nintendo's Wii is, like, taking off, and I think a lot of the reason it's doing it is because they're appealing to a whole new sector of video gamers. I've heard a little bit about the Wii being aimed towards moms because mm-hmm. it's more of like a family friendly and the moms can play with the kids and you don't need to be like an expert like how Vinny's always kicking you off a leg of Star Wars because you're not good enough I think the Wii kind of takes that out of it <laughs> it does but I would say I mean Vinny seems more interested in the Xbox than the Wii 
Because Paul has a Wii, so it's here over the summer. Mm-hmm. But he does not seem to get his... It might be because it's harder for him to get to the games themselves. Uh-huh. So he needs more help. Yeah, so he needs help, like, getting to the actual game. And once the game starts, but, but a lot of them are those, you know, quickie, like, five-minute things. Versus he can sit down and once he gets into the actual game. Now, of course, the only game he can play on the Xbox really is Lego Star Wars. I find that very interesting, though, that it's easier for him to start an Xbox game than it is a Wii game, considering that the Wii is aimed more at that market. But he's computer literate. Yeah, but so what? So that shouldn't make the Wii hard. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't make the Wii hard. But I feel like once you, I don't know, maybe it's once you become computer literate, it's almost you can't go back. That's like why once you become computer literate, you can't use Macintosh. (laughs) There's an operation game that Amanda has. Paul's girlfriend is going pre-med, and she's got this game, and you do these operations and stuff. What? (laughs) Yeah. That's bizarre. Is it on people? I think so. I never played it. That's crazy. We should play that. Well, I was just at the library yesterday, and the library has all these Wii games that you can check out. Really? Isn't that crazy? We've checked before for Xbox 360, and they have a ton of Xbox games, but, you know, you don't know which ones are going to work on the 360, because only some of them do. So we kind of gave up on that. But just when I went in and looked, they all of a sudden they have 20 Xbox 360 games. Isn't that awesome? Oh, they must have got a bunch of money or something. I was talking to a librarian about it, and she said that they're constantly getting stuff like that. She said, we'll keep buying those games as long as people are checking them out. And you get to check them out for a week for free, and you can renew them once. And then you can go back and get another one. Isn't that amazing? Dan should go there instead of Blockbuster. Well, right. I mean, first of all, you get it for longer. And second of all, it's free. And then you think you don't have to buy any of these games. So, like, the librarian was saying that she was thinking about getting a Wii for her kids for Christmas because they only have to get together the money for the Wii. They don't have to get together the money for the games. Yeah, and the Wii is much less expensive than the PS3 or the Xbox. Right, because I think it's, what, like $250 and that includes a game or something. See, we're going to have a gaming show. Renee, previously mentioned as hamster owner, is also going to come on at some point as our gaming expert. She used to be. She's like what Nintendo hopes will happen to everyone. She used to like not be a gamer at all, and now she's kind of obsessed. She's a Nintendo chick. She's got a DS and a Wii, and she's really... She gets Nintendo power, so she can come on as our gaming She should have a sticker on her car. Nintendo power. <laughs> she should! You could get her one for her birthday! And she is so not the person you would have expected to be a Nintendo nerd, but... <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about the Xbox warranty since we're talking about Xbox. Oh, okay, the Xbox warranty. Well, it doesn't affect us because we have a second or third generation Xbox and we haven't had any trouble. But that is not true for you. Right, so what happened was the Xboxes originally came out with a 90-day warranty for parts, basically. So if you had a problem in 90 days, they would replace it for free. So then people started having all these problems with their Xboxes overheating, yada, yada, yada. And they ended up extending the warranty to a year for everyone and then paying back people who had already spent the money to have it fixed after that 90-day period. Right. And then just recently, I'd say, what, like two or three months ago... Ours went up in what it is. They call it the red ring of death. And they have these little lights <laughs> <laughs> light up. And it's three red lights indicate whatever this problem is. And Xbox has been really not straightforward about what exactly the problems are. 
that it indicates, but some overheating issue. So anyway, we were out of the year warranty, not very far out, like three or four months out. So we sent it into them, and it cost us one hundred and forty dollars. We had to wait like three weeks to get the Xbox back. And Dan was very sad. Yes, and Dan was sad about the time. I was sad about the money. And then <laughs> Xbox just came out and said that they're going to extend their warranty to three years for everyone, because they've had so many of these fail. And we're going to get our money back. Yay! Awesome. So is that going to count as like found money? Do you get to go out to dinner now? Um, I don't know. I'll probably confiscate the check. <laughs> I'll put it put it in savings for the next video game or whatever he wants to buy. So today, we thought we'd talk about HGTV since we sort of touched on it last week with the TVs and the media centers and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about in general what it is. Okay, HGTV is actually a stand, and it includes three different types of television, which I don't understand, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm sure if I got into the spec, I would understand it, but I don't get why there's three different types. But there's three different types. So you can have 1080i, 1080p, or 720p, and they're all widescreen. So what it means is the number is how many pixels wide your picture is. So 1080i is 1080 pixels wide. And the I means interlaced, and the P means progressive, which means every refresh, if it's P, every single line gets drawn. If it's I, it's every other line gets drawn, which means, you know, you're using up half the bandwidth, so it's easier to transmit a signal that way. But you sacrifice, you know, picture quality for that. It's basically twice as exacting as standard television is. And Kelly pointed out, one thing we need to talk about is what happens if you watch standard TV on an HD or vice versa. So we have a 1080i television. It's 48 inches, I think. It's our only TV, basically. Our deal is that we only have one TV because I have a problem if I'm in front of a TV. (laughs) I sort of shut down. So Dan hates taking me into Best Buy or whatever because I will just stop in front of the televisions and start watching. It's really bad. Like restaurants with TVs in them? (laughs) It's terrible. I have been, yeah, if there's a TV in a restaurant, I will purposefully not point at it because I can't function so that's why we only have one tv but dan says if we only have one tv it's gonna be a nice tv (laughs) so what happens is if you have this television and you watch standard tv on it because of the the widescreen thing versus standard which is not widescreen you end up with bars on the right and left Mm -hmm. and sometimes when you watch letterbox movies you end up with bars on the top and the bottom Mm-hmm. Which is also kind of annoying. But you can, most TVs, including ours, comes with a thing where you can adjust it. They have different, like, stretching things that they can do to actually fill up the screen, although it's not Perfect. true. Perfect. The aspect ratio is wrong. They're pretty good at it, though. I mean, we, we don't have too much trouble. We've got one Zoom that's pretty good now. In the beginning, did you ever play with any of those? Some of them were really bad. Like, all of a sudden, the people would look like fat. Right. Well, and I would say that's one of the things that you notice in the stores, that sometimes you'll see, if you're at Best Buy and you see the TVs, it'll look like the people are fat or stretched or something, and that's just because the, peop- the stores don't have the TVs set up with the correct zoom or whatever. Right, or people have been playing with it. Right, or that. <laughs> oh, the other big thing that happens with the HD signal is they are broadcast in Dolby 5.1 surround. So if you have you know your five speakers in your sub, the sound is significantly better. Like if you have the home theater system. Yes. In my research, I found out that three out of every ten American households actually own an HDTV, but only 44% of those houses have programming for it. Which is crazy. Because you can get it from cable, you can get it over satellite, you can get it over the air, which is actually what's driving it. But people, sort of the theory I read was that either people just don't care, people don't know, people are buying big TVs not even realizing the HD capability that they have. Or they think when they buy an HDTV that that's it. It's just HD as soon as you turn it on, and it's just not. Which is annoying. So 
there's like three ways you can either get it antenna you can get HDTV or you can use through your satellite company or your cable company so first let me talk about the antenna stuff and then Tracy will talk about the satellite and cable stuff yeah okay right now if you have an HDTV and you want to get it over an antenna like rabbit ears and you don't have to have any cable contract or anything you have to get an HDTV antenna and so the antenna just plugs into the coaxial input on the back of your TV just like a regular rabbit ears antenna would on a regular old TV. Doesn't it seem kind of ironic that you have to go back to rabbit ears to get this crazy new technology? Yeah. I just think that's kind of funny. I th it, it's kind of bizarre that it works. <laughs> yeah. So right now the antennas are about twenty to fifty dollars for an indoor antenna and a hundred dollars for an outdoor antenna which you would mount on your roof. Did you ever hear about what Jim did? Uh-uh. We have a friend, Jim, who has an HDTV, and he was having trouble because the problem with the antenna is that you don't get the best signal for all the stations from the same direction. Right, because it's like regular rabbit ears. Yeah. And you probably have yours in the attic, right? No, it was, but actually ours is in the office now. It's on top of a bookcase. Okay. Well, ours is in the attic, so it's not like we can change the direction. Yeah, and I mean, you can't. It's not practical to do that. So you kind of fool with it until you get to where it's good for the most number of stations. Like, our Fox feed is pretty weak, but the other three are pretty good. Mm -hmm. So Jim was very frustrated with this. So Jim decided, you know, forget it. I'm getting a, a rooftop antenna. So he went out and got a big one. You know, it was like an old-school rooftop. It's like six or eight feet long. It's really big. Had to haul this huge thing up on there, mounted it up on there, and made no difference at all. Oh, his wife is not happy. That is terrible. That Do you have any terrible. idea how much it costs? I don't think it was that expensive. I think it was like 100 or 150 bucks. but I think that the whole, you know, up on the roof aspect of it. Yeah, tell me about it. We've got one on our house because a former, former owner put it up there, and it's like, really, are we going to get up there and pull it down? And eventually, I'm sure we will, but... We have an extra satellite dish for the same reason. We've just never gone up and pulled it off. Anyway, you use this antenna and put our antenna in. We have a 32-inch DLP, which is basically, it's kind of like your typical old projection TVs, which are the big box TVs that everybody's used to having. Except that instead of doing this straight projection, which like the big TVs have a, like lights all the way in the back of that box and shoot it out to all the corners of the screen, the DLPs shoot it onto a mirror first that then reflects back onto the screen so they can make it a lot skinnier. So it's significantly skinnier than the big box TVs, but it's not like a flat screen like a plasma is. Anyway, that's what we have, a DLP. And <laughs> when we put in the antenna, just sitting right next to it, we had the same trouble with, we could only get a couple channels, it wasn't the best reception. So Dan put it up in the attic, and now we get everything. I guess it's five or six stations we can get. The big three, Fox, MPT, which is Maryland Public Television. I want to say there's another one. Oh yeah, we have a good public television feed too, that one. That's like amazing for us. I, I was really surprised we could get that. We actually use Baltimore's CBS feed because we get it better than DC. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand it. We're south of D.C., but those, I mean, the digital signals seem to really travel much better than, like, the old ones did. wonder about altitude or something, if for some reason that's what makes it work for you. I'll look it up. Maybe we'll, next time we'll, we'll know why. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the big problem is that on February 17, 2009, they're going to shut off the analog TV signal. So that means people who have non-HD TVs and are just using regular old rabbit ears to watch TV are no longer going to be able to watch TV like that. There will no longer be a signal that they can accept into their TV. 
So what you're going to have to do is either subscribe to cable or to satellite television or you can buy this digital to analog converter box which will take the HDTV signal that's being broadcast over the air and convert it back down into a signal that your old TV can handle. So they are projecting that these boxes are going to cost about $50 a piece but the government is going to help you out. Starting January 1, 2008, you're going to be able to request up to two $40 checks to put towards the purchase of one of these digital to analog converters. So in theory, you should only have to pay $10 for one of these boxes for up to two of these boxes for your house. And we'll put a link on the website. But right now, they're not saying how you're going to be able to request these checks, but it will be probably via an 800 number or through the Internet. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So, speaking of the government, the other thing they're going to do is all of a sudden they're going to have all this airspace that's just hanging out there not being used because of the amount of space that was being used up by the analog TV signals. So what they're going to do is give a teeny piece of it to first responders like the police and EMT and stuff so that they can all talk on the same channels because right now they can't communicate with each other in the event of a crisis. What they're going to do is auction off all this airspace. Some of the money is going to be used to give people these $40 checks <laughs> and then a billion dollars in grants are going to be set aside for first responders. $156 million will be set aside for a national alert system and $43.5 million for a fully enhanced national 911 emergency alert system. And then, you know, what they do with the rest. So to get actual programming other than over the air, there are some other options. You can go to your cable company. Most of them are offering digital cable now. For, let's see, I looked up my local cable company and it is about $13 a month extra. And usually you need a different set-top box. Satellite is sort of the same deal. You need to sign up for extra. We actually had Dish HD content for a while. We don't use it anymore just because we weren't watching it enough. But it does come with a different box. And often with Satellite Dish, it's a different satellite. It depends upon your company, which means you need an extra dish outside or at least an extra receiver on your dish. So the installation cost can get you. And that's about $20 a month. The only other way to get HD is some of the new video game systems like the Xbox 360, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 can actually output HD quality games. And right now there are two HD DVDs duking it out. Regular DVDs are significantly higher resolution than television, but they're not HD quality. So right now Microsoft is pushing an HD DVD protocol and Sony is pushing the Blu-ray DVD. And they're duking it out. So if you go into Best Buy, you know, there's like rows and rows of DVDs and then there's at the end of one of the rows a stack of HD DVDs and a stack of Blu-ray DVDs. It's kind of like beta and VHS like back in the day. And it's weird, too, because if a movie comes out on Blu-ray, it does not come out on HD DVD. And if it comes out on HD DVD, it doesn't come out on Blu-ray. Right. No, they have different deals with different studios. Right. And the other catch with those is that the cheapest HD Blu-ray player out there is actually a PS3, which starts around $500. You can actually get an HD DVD player that is cheaper than an Xbox that starts about 400 to use your Xbox to play HD DVDs, you have to buy an external HD DVD drive that can plug into your Xbox. That's about 200 bucks, so it is cheaper than a Blu-ray. Either way, the DVDs are both a little bit more expensive than standard DVDs, but not crazy. Like, I want to say, you know, 20 25 as opposed to 15-ish dollars. Now, I don't know anybody who's really, at this point, ready to switch their entire DVD library over to HD or Blu-ray. I'm perfectly content with the way a DVD looks on the HD television. The other problem is that Blockbuster doesn't carry them. Right. 
So we actually belong to Netflix so that Dan can get the HD DVDs. It's hard to find the HD DVDs. And then you, your selection is really tiny. So I, I don't know. I don't think that it was time to get it yet. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Here's Tracy's little personal pet peeve thing that's out there in the world. So if you have your cable box and if you have your HD TV and if you would like them to talk to each other in an HD way, you have to buy a cable. And this cable is about $100. Now, Dan swears you can get them cheaper than that. When we got all this and he was like, oh, yeah, and there's this cable, I was like, what? So it's an, you can either use HDMI or a DVD-D cable. It depends upon, you know, what TV you have and stuff. But understand, there's also this $100 cable. So if you want to do the HDTV thing, there is the initial cost of the television, and there is the cost of the programming, and there's the cost of this cable, and the DVDs and all that if you want to go down this road. So just understand that it's not just, you know, when he says, I just want to get, you know, an HDTV so we can watch football. There's other stuff that comes along with this. So we will move on now. There are several different types of HDTVDs you can get. And can I talk about size real fast? Which is another Tracy pet peeve because people get TVs that are too big. It makes me crazy. There's some good web pages you can go to, but there's like a recommended viewing distance on these suckers. Mm-hmm. And when you get into the TV store, you can get completely disoriented because you're in this big room that's got these big TVs. It's really easy to lose perspective on how this TV is going to look in your house. So there's some screen size recommendations. I mean, we have our TV in a fairly large room, biggest room of our house. And it, 48 inches was like the biggest we could really do. I think we said about 10 feet back without it looking crazy. So 70-inch TV, they recommend you have a minimum 9-foot distance on that TV and up to 15 feet away from that TV. That's a big room. So don't let yourself get into Best Buy or wherever and be looking at these TVs going, oh, that'll look great because, you know, you got to understand how big your room is. Okay, so big players are regular old projection TVs, which is what Tracy has, and that's pretty much, I think, the cheapest for big TVs that you can get. And then there's plasma TVs, which get a little bit more expensive. The DLPs, I'd say, probably run in the range of the plasma TVs. And then LCDs are the most expensive. And I also wanted to throw in there, since Dan loves these, projectors. Oh, God. You know, which is like... it has come up in our house. But see, here is my biggest issue with the projector. So a projector is like, just like you see at work or something where you can plug it into your computer and then display what your computer is showing up on the wall. It's like that, except that you plug in your TV source. And it displays on a screen on the wall, so you can make it as big as you want or as small as you want. And there's all kinds of problems and good things about the projectors. But the big thing was Dan really wanted one, and he wanted it to be this big screen. And what we kept coming down to was the room you want to put it in is not that big, so you wouldn't be able to make it that big. So, therefore, why are we paying so much? Because they can get to be pretty pricey. Well, and there's darkness thing, too. Like, it has to be dark for that to work. Right, because it's like going to the movies. Plus, we have a friend who has a projector who said that his biggest issue is that it takes two minutes for the light bulb inside the projector to warm up. So, you turn it on and you have to wait two minutes before you can watch TV. And that he found that pretty annoying for regular TV use. That it was acceptable if you're going to watch a movie. But to just watch, you know, whatever. (laughs) Because, like, you're willing to watch previews for the movie, but you're Right, exactly. So, (laughs) the biggest differences between all these TVs are that projector TVs tend to be harder to watch if you're on an angle to the screen. So, if you're straight on, it's a great picture. But if you're on the side of a projector TV, you tend to get black areas. It's hard for you to see the full picture. Yeah, we have that problem. 
We do. Plus, they're huge boxes, just like your old TVs. I mean, everybody's seen the projection TVs. They're just gigantic TVs. And obviously, plasmas and LCDs are these thin little things that you can hang on the wall. And the DLPs are thinner. They're not perfect, but... Or you can put on top of some. Right, right. Okay, so... The biggest differences between LCDs and plasmas are that there is this thing called screen burn-in that you can get on plasma TVs. And what that means is that you used to see this on like old computer monitors, that if you showed the same picture all the time, so as a for instance, if you use it as a computer and you have your start bar on the bottom of the computer that's always there. Dude, you know you're totally showing your age. I'm just telling what to say that the computer monitors used to be this way? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can get this burn-in on the screen where it's always showing that image because it shows it too often and it can't, like, get rid of that information. Well, the plasmas have that problem. So it's not too much of an issue unless you're using it as a computer monitor or for playing games that tend to have maybe your points up in the corner or your number of lives or something that's always in the same place. Or the other problem is that some people talk about if you watch, say, CBS all the time and you get the little CBS logo in the corner, that you'll get burned in at the CBS logo. So what that means is if you switch to ABC, you'll still see the CBS logo. <laughs> yeah. Well, which is annoying, especially when you spend a whole bunch of money on a TV. Right, because there's no way to fix that. I mean, the only way to fix it is to buy a new TV. Yeah. So LCDs do not have that problem. DLPs do not have that problem. Projections do not have that problem. Now, plasma TVs can get to be as large as 108 inches diagonally across the screen. And when you say, when you buy a 32-inch TV, that's how they measure. It's from corner to corner. It's not... Right. Not like across the top. Right. Height or width. It's the diagonal. Anyway, and LCDs can only get as big as 70 inches. Projections can pretty much get as big as you want. And same for the DLPs, because they're just projection TVs, really. Right. The plasmas have the best viewing angle, Right, it sounds like. Like, you can pretty much see a plasma no matter how you look at it. Right. Plasmas use about a third more electricity than LCDs do, which is interesting, especially in this day and age. Well, I don't know. In Maryland, yeah. we're in the middle of this energy thing where it's complicated, but basically our energy bills just doubled. So everybody's all hyper about what degree you're setting your air conditioning to and everything. So that's kind of an issue for people around here. Oh, and they say that plasmas are better in medium to low light, which they say most people view their TVs at when they're in their homes, but LCDs look better in bright light. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the store, LCDs will tend to look better because it'll be a bright light setting, but plasmas will actually look better as far as being sharp and the contrast between colors goes. When you're at home, plasmas will look better. When I said something to Dan about, you know, what we were looking into for this week, he goes, we're not getting a plasma. And I said, why not? And he goes, old technology. He's like, it's just not that good. <laughs> Which just means it's boring and I can't show it off to my friends. Dan said he would want to do LCD. Hmm, interesting. Probably just because it's just a big computer monitor. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Kelly, have you ever watched The Young and the Restless on HD? I do not watch The Young and the Restless. Whatever. I gotta tell you. All the major networks do broadcast their soap operas in HD, and they are beautiful. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. You can see the hair and the jewelry and the good-looking guys. I mean, they look great. And the football, we said this last week, the football on the HD is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I'm there when I'm watching football in HD. And sometimes the nature shows, they can be kind of crazy. Yeah, as long as you're into it. I'm not usually if into, you're into that. that. Yeah, <laughs> the nature show thing. 
you could definitely notice the quality increase. And really the sound, I think, makes a bigger impact than anything. Mm -hmm. But then you have to have all the surround sound stuff. But assuming you have all the surround sound stuff, like it's really, it's a noticeably better viewing experience to the point where if we go like old school and we're watching something in standard, it's like, I mean, Vinny doesn't care about Clifford, but. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking Clifford's not getting much sharper. (laughs) Clifford's not in HD. Amazing, but I bet you five bucks they do Sesame Street. Nature. Yeah, I could see that. They certainly have a large enough audience. I would say it's definitely worth it if you're gonna go, especially if you're gonna get a bigger TV, because I feel like the bigger TVs there's not that much cost difference between an HD and a standard anymore, and you're gonna have to do it anyway because there's not gonna be the over the air anymore. Mm-hmm. But it is a hassle sometimes, and we do not always get you know if it like rains or whatever. Yeah, you know we have a little trouble with that, but I would say we have more trouble with the satellite signal than we do with the... I would say it's about the same as the satellite antenna. Which, and I also am a big satellite proponent. I do not have a lot of trouble with that. I feel like if it's like a horrendous hurricane, okay. But I don't feel like it's outrageous. I feel like satellite is, at the very least, a comparable product to the cable. And I'm so tired of hearing the cable ads where they're like, oh, satellite always goes out. That's just junk. And cable goes out plenty. I think it goes out as much as cable does. Right. I would agree. And generally at the same times, I think cable goes out in rainstorms. Yeah. Which is, that's like the irony. Oh, we never go out except when the cable company goes out. Then. Right. <sighs> Whatever. So anyway, yeah, I would say HD's worth doing. So until next week. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. See ya. Bye. Bye. Our theme song is Talk Nerdy to Me by Possible Oscar from the Podsafe Music Network. Dan and Dan provided technical support. Tracy did production for the podcast and Kelly did all the editing. Please check us out at www.marriedtogeeks.com or send us an email at marriedtogeeks at gmail.com.